There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 716. I'm going to be performing in Sacramento and San Jose this weekend uh, as part of the Fun Comfortable Tour with uh, my, my dear friend April Richardson. We'll be up there Friday and Saturday How'd night. How'd the Morrissey tour go that she did? She said it was amazing. I'm going to have April on to talk it's about it. the fucking best idea She's, I've ever heard. April's one of my favorite people in the world. She's so fucking funny. And, uh, and she, yeah, she toured. She did, I think, maybe 10 shows alongside the Genius Morrissey plan. tour. And she called it louder than bombing, which is was great. And she said the tour was really great. I mean, she fucking set it up on her own and went out and drove across the country by herself and did this tour. And uh, it was it was great. She's a badass. She is indeed. Uh, what do you got on the Nerds Community Corkboard? Uh, this first thing is from Zach. He's thirty three, and three months ago he found out that he needs a kidney to live longer. Okay. Uh, so he's waiting on that kidney, but he decided to turn that kidney into delicious kidney flavored lemonade. Uh, by making a webcomic about his kidney deciding it doesn't want to work anymore. Oh my god, that's brilliant. It's fucking amazing. Is he selling the webcomic? Can people uh, oh, buy it to donate uh, You go to Zach, uh, Zach's, Z-A-C-H, uh, Zach'sKidney.com, and it's digital, and he's at some point going to put together a compilation piece. But oh my god, it's incredible. Like, like he is a, a real bright guy and anything you guys can do to support but but you know go to his website and check out the comic work he's done there it's he's he's a real i was very very impressed that's amazing uh i honestly yeah I'm, it was super inspiring we love you zach keep making the funny <laughs> um katie tabletop games yeah uh, they make a lot of you know card games and stuff like that they have a kickstarter right now to help fund a new game they have called Goblinade. And basically, you are a goblin entrepreneur who has opened your very own drink stand, but you're not the only game in town. So you have to fill your stock room with ingredients and customers. And it looks really fun. It's for ages 9 and up. And you can find it by going to Kickstarter and searching Goblinade or going to PaperKnights.com. And that's Knights with a K. I went to Goblinade in 97. Oh, yeah, that was the year that Neil Young killed all those goblins with a broadsword. <laughs> And came back as a goblin. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I've been resurrected by the Dark Order of Goblins. <laughs> my mustache shoots lasers now. <laughs> how, how cool is this? It's one of my favorite Simpsons jokes ever. David Crosby, I'm a huge fan of your work. You like oh, the you like music? music? You're a musician? I like that he's also Lionel Hutz's sponsor in AA. <laughs> David, I'm feeling really tempted. <laughs> <laughs> this whole episode is going to be as good as This episode is Hannah Hart, who is also one of my favorite people. Definition of delightful. She's a definition of brilliant. She is one of the most brilliant, and uh, I mean, I 
just on a friend level, I adore her for a million reasons, and also on a professional level, I think she's so brilliant and funny, and and what she's built is really amazing. And uh, my drunk kitchen, and then uh, we're also doing a thing with her at BBC America called The Doctor's Finest, which is a, a series of kind of like wraparounds for some of the oh cool like, fan favorite Doctor episodes, like you know Blink. And so oh, she, right she, came, she had people from the show on and, and other celebrity fans. And basically, we and we at Nerdist produced it and, oh, and got to work with when her. When is that coming? Uh, that comes on August 15th, Ooh, Kyle. Soon. Yeah, very soon, considering today is the 12th that this is going up. So uh, check that out at bbcamerica.com. You can follow Hannah Hart at Harto on Twitter. And uh, yeah, please support everything she does. I adore her. Uh, but right now, here's episode number 716 with Hannah Hart. Now entering Nerdist.com This is sort of studio. A I mean, it's a, it's a glorified room. It's a beautiful room. Look at these <laughs> foam things. This is. Yeah, yeah. soundproofing makes it a studio. What is the essential quality of a studio that makes it a studio? I guess we broadcast things from here. There a mini are, fridge? There's no mini fridge. Fuck. No, it's still a studio, though. Okay, good. Thank you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Kyle, where's our mini fridge? Oh, we should have one of those. Uh, <laughs> here, no one, no one can hear what you're saying, Kyle. You put. Yeah, I know. All right. We'll get a mini fridge in here. We should get a mini fridge we in here. We were just talking about this outside. We were saying, like, oh, it's so air-conditioned. We just need air-conditioned and PlayStation. I, I guess we'll have to ask our boss. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> get a mini fridge. And then they slipped me a 20 for bringing up the mini fridge. Oh, sit. I got you this guys. This was a sponsor deal. Come no, on. That's got real expensive. <laughs> got to pay everyone off. There's uh, a whole chain of conspiracy to mm-hmm. get this mini fridge in here. Mm-hmm. Um, y- Did I tell you guys about my mini fridge investment I made? What? Starting a mini fridge. That's company. amazing. Harto yeah. fridge. Yeah, it's called. It's actually called a mighty fridge, but it's small. That's perfect. Thank you. Yes, I know. <laughs> you know, do you ever say stuff like that and you're like, wait a minute, that's not a bad idea. Like, how many joke ideas? Yeah. Have actually become real ideas. Well, I just really want an actual refrigerator that. Put seltzer water out, like a soda stream, inside of a refrigerator. Why don't they do that? Why doesn't that exist? There has to be. I mean, I have a fancy fridge. It makes crushed ice. That is... (laughs) How often do you need crushed ice? All the time. But don't you need seltzer water more? Way more. (laughs) I feel like there's got to be a way to have a fridge with some sort of a compression unit Mm -hmm. or something that takes... From your water line. And I've already then... thought of how it works. You put the canister in the door. <laughs> so when you open the door, it has like a little thing that comes out. And you just hit it from inside the door and it goes there. Because it's like you can fill up the water canister and the gas. Okay, but let me ask you this. If you find yourself somewhere in your house uh, doing a 1930s comedy sketch, do you have to drag the person up to your refrigerator to yes. open the door and shoot them with this? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. This is just how it has to be. Would you mind standing in front of this sorry, door? Sorry, could while you come this, this way and open the? Fr- Are you hungry? Incidentally, yeah. no. Okay, great. Excuse me, elderly widow. <laughs> would you please <laughs> take your place in front of my refrigerator? Oh, the 1930s, grim. Very grim. Very, Very grim. grim. <laughs> Uh, get to the factory, kids. Yeah. At least make the most of it and have like a spring-loaded pie that shoots out. So you just get both in one. In one, one side, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, are you, are you hitting someone? Are you hitting the, the orphan or are you hitting the widow? 
I mean, oh. whoever opens the door, I guess. Mm. Okay, well, I, I mean, I think Hannah's asking just for a, like, because you'd, you'd have to load the I pie bring, lower for the child. Yeah, and it's also like a subtle, like, litmus test for your evilness. I'm like, what I do you I for choose? sure thought orphan, I want you to know. So That's on fine, the I would choose test. orphan over widow. <laughs> widow's, like, orphan's got a lot to live through. Like, yeah. orphan's got a ways to go. Life experience. Widow. Yeah, but the widow's already, like, been way, kicked way down, mm. right? She's a widow in the 1930s. Fair point, it, I'm switching. Team widow. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to kick the orphan release down because I already made him look through my telescope so he's a black circle around his eye. Oh, oh, yeah. And then you force him to make that cake with the shoe in it. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? Is I that, a, felt thing? Like whenever Is that someone, a thing? Isn't that like a little rascal thing or like a Three Stooges thing? Like they would bake something, but then they were such terrible bakers that it was like, there was a shoe in there and then... Yeah, but, uh, I feel like you're combining like lady coming out of a cake with fishing and getting a boot. I, I was thinking, don't think so. Get escaping from prison by getting a cake with like a you know file in it. Just right? a weird uh-huh. misshapen cake. Yeah, file cake. You know, if you sent someone a cake that was that and the cake was shaped like a file, mm-hmm. they would never think to look inside. We're like, well, that's just too. <laughs> no, nobody should do too this. On the nose. The, the ballsiest spouse I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, search this cake. Please go ahead and eat your cake. Where'd he go? <laughs> It's that instantaneous. All you need is yeah, because a file would get you right out of prison. Right out of prison, especially. Well, now they've invented like prisons with doors, so people are screwed. They can't get out. I mean, it's only a matter of time before they just start chipping people. Yeah. So that they can just fucking load up their find my friends on their iPhone and go. Oh yeah, those uh, those guys in New York. uh, They're they're at this uh, Circle K. I, I think they already have. Oh. I mean, you know, if we have so much, <laughs> never mind. I was going to say, if there's so much unnecessary male circumcision, how do we know that people aren't just getting microchips? Male circumcision's very necessary. I don't know. I've he heard says men. to justify his own circumcision. <laughs> well, I didn't just do it. I didn't do it. <laughs> you neither had nor performed one. <laughs> I like that you, you For took the that record, as being accused. <laughs> well, it wasn't me. Look, how many times do I have to tell you? Hannah, we're here to discuss why you circumcised me. Now. <laughs> It now was years knows. before you were born, yes. but I still want to know how you went back in time and circumcised me as a I baby. I had one opportunity for time travel. <laughs> <laughs> you blew it! That is what I chose to do. <laughs> but but because of the butterfly effect, it actually prevented a new form of Nazis? Mm. Yeah! The, oh, yes, the cock Nazis. The cock Nazis, <laughs> yep. You the stopped cock-sies. the cock yeah, you're welcome. In there, but all in that one day's work—the <laughs> kind of heroism that'll never go documented. Mm-hmm. You've been traveling. You travel. I feel like you travel as much as I do. It feels like you do, according to your Instagram feed. I, yeah, I do, and I think it's for much less reward. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just like the fact that you heard the podcast. I'm like, oh, Hannah's in town. That's crazy. Hannah's here. Yeah, I was in. I was actually in Cannes uh, in France last week. Well, how was France? It was great, except Cannes. Uh, left me very like, I mean, I'll just be very blunt about it. Can left me very constipated uh-huh. because of the French cuisine. Sure, I have a little California diet. I need some rice. I need some green tea. I was over there. It was nothing but dairy and meat and bread, and it was a disaster. Just snails and butter. Just snails and butter. <laughs> just baguettes and cheese. And by cheese. day four, I was like, everyone was like, "Are you hungry?" I'm like, "No." I'm still processing. I'm still processing two nights ago. I'm never gonna be hungry again. It's like yes, I am. So anyway, but France was great, beautiful. Can can, can we just can we just side can we just sidetrack for a little bit? Yeah, yeah. You never, you know, uh, 
my, my dad always used to say this thing. And then when my dad got older, he would say this thing like, ah, any day you can take a shit, it's a good day. And I think that his messaging was like, don't take for granted the fact that you can just go to the bathroom whenever you feel like it as yeah. it, until, you know, like you travel or you get a weird French diet and then it goes away for a couple of days. And it's like that friend that you took for granted for so long. Like, oh, my God, there's a reason we do this. And it's really important. Yeah, it's very important. <laughs> it's very, very important. And but also, I think it's like never take a day for granted that all of your organs are functioning and doing yeah. their job. Yeah. You know, it's like any day you can take a shit is a good day. It really is a good day. Yeah. I learned that the second I got on the plane back. And that's when my body decided like, yo, you're on an airplane. Would you like to poop everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> was this your in a monologue, or was this a that's, really high-end airline yeah. who was offering? Would you, France? Would you like to poop anywhere? Would you like to poop everywhere? Everywhere you would like to go. I don't know. The pressure unlocked something. I was good. The day that you poop ten times a day is not also that great, though. There's a high low to it. Yeah, there is yeah, a high yeah, low. Yeah, yeah. Everything in moderation. Yeah. <laughs> Pooping, Pooping included. included. Yeah, everyone poops. But come on, guys. In no poop or all too poop. much. Everybody yeah. poops within reason. Within reason. <laughs> come yeah. on, guys. Be reasonable about, about this. About your poop level. Pooping, please. <laughs> but it was so bad that it like was everybody knew because it was just something that was like unavoidable because we were there for so long. We were there for like eight days, I think, total. So by day four or five, my mood had dropped and I had and I was there with friends. I would go and Grace was there and I was there with like my team and I was like, guys, I gotta I gotta be honest, everybody. I'm running a little low on energy. <laughs> <laughs> so it was good though, it was bonding. Can you poop on planes? Yeah. I mean, I know physically you I can. I mean, yeah. No, I usually don't run into this problem. In France, was the first time that, like, I hit it like a brick wall that was inside my lower intestine. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I think it was just all, like, the butter and the cream and the everything. And, like, you know, I didn't realize. Oh, on the last day, I actually went to Korean food that day. I got oh. kimchi and I got some rice and I was like, come on, just anything. Let's do this. Let's do this. Yeah, it was a real deal. I'm always worried that pooping on a plane will be the time that the where, plane gets too heavy. That's right. No, no, no. <laughs> that there'll be some type of weird air pocket and then, you know, I'll be discovered unconscious with my <laughs> pants around my angles and just a uh, just a Jackson Pollock like <laughs> pattern of shit up against the back of the toilet seat in the lavatory. I have to say that that fear did not occur to me. Okay. No. Well, let me just infect you with my weird phobia. Thank now. you. So Thank you're, you. You're welcome. I'll never. Do you worry you're dead or that you wake up and then live with that as being that guy? Oh, wake up and live. L- wake <laughs> up and live would be way worse, I think, wouldn't it? I don't know, because at least then you can explain yourself. Versus if you die, they're just like, yeah, he just just started pooping. Yeah, but Chris would never know that. I wouldn't know that if I was dead. He he would think he went out in a blaze of glory. Everybody else died, too. (laughs) (laughs) It was just him. That's weird. In this weird afterlife waiting room that uh, (laughs) defies every construct I have in the afterlife, (laughs) there must be other people from the plane. Why is everybody talking about the plane? What miracle? What is this? That's weird. No. No. Yeah. uh, Uh, just, just some magazines. You want? <laughs> There's an old highlights magazine. It's already filled in. I loved highlights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was great. It was great. But I feel like I only ever saw it at the dentist office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were right. Were there other places where you could get highlights magazine, or was it just a way to trick kids into being at the dentist? Yeah, yeah. It was really just written by one dentist. It was a highlight. <laughs> Hi guys. I don't remember anything about it except for the matching. Like trying to find six, you know, six and different bubble bars. Yeah, that makes sense. It did. Yeah, it ultimately would fuel our spot the difference pictures. It would it would ultimately fuel our our desire to play those weird bar console games where they did that with like naked images of people. (laughs) 
Spot the difference. Do you know what I'm talking about, exactly Kyle? Talking about. Right, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Well, there are these little like cons. They look like old computer terminals, and they're touchscreens. Mm. And they put them at bars, and it's sort of like, which of these two pictures? Like, what's different about these two pictures? But it's like some really bad 1984 yeah, like, like an Playboy sexy lady. But oh they my have god! Little differences. It's oh. Like, do you know Playboy reached out to me? To do what? To do a digital stars uh, photo spread for Playboy.com. Are you going to get nude in it? No. I'm not going to do it. Not going not to do it. Not going to do it. Not no. going to do it. I support. I am very uh, pro-empowerment. If everybody wants to do it, great, 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 great. Um, go Playboy. Everything's great. It's not for me, personally. Yeah. As a personal Hear choice. Me out. I it would ran- award Playgirl to the Epic Mealtime guys. Oh. Yeah. I, Would Harley show his dog in a Playgirl? We show his dog? Oh, his dog. dog. Yeah, which he calls his dog. <laughs> yeah, he calls his dog. <laughs> the dog. Would Harley, hard to say. Just all of them naked but high five. I, I feel like they, they would do it if it was funny. Yeah. yeah, and I think Josh would do it just in a heartbeat. Yeah. That's, uh, he's a chef guy. <laughs> yeah, his yeah. photos prepared. Yeah, he's like, oh, what? Is today the day? <laughs> oh, today is my day. <laughs> hey, I have, a, I have a quasi-serious question to ask you because you said, oh, well, you know, of course, I, I, I support people if they want to post nude for empowerment and everything. Which, do you feel like sometimes that the ideas of empowerment are subjective and that it's it gets very sort of blurry, pixely where it's like, well, this is empowerment, but that's not empowerment. But if this person makes the choice, it's empowerment. But if you feel if they feel like they were pressured and then into making a choice, that's not empowerment. Like, how do we? Is there is there a unified theory on this yet? No, because I mean, like, there might be a unified theory, but here's my like personal opinion, which yeah. is that empowerment is having the ability to choose whatever it is you want to do. So mm-hmm. if you want to be naked, it's about the fact you want to be naked. There is no like this direction that's still disempowering to think like oh are they feeling pressured into feeling empowered this way that motion right there this is the disempowering motion because then it implies that this external pressure is still making their decisions yeah you know so it's just like it's just a blank slate it's like people choose what they want to do with themselves their bodies their times and that's as simple as it is yeah that would be true empowerment how do you still stay so upbeat when the internet can be such a dark and horrible place? And as many of us, we, our lives and careers are so interwoven into the fabric of this uh, darkness, darkness <laughs> of the dark web, of the dark, deep, dark web. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny because I get asked about how do I stay positive so often or how do I stay optimistic? And uh, I just posted a video on Tuesday where I just talked about like how... I'm like a super insecure person. Like, and that was actually kind of surprising to myself. Like, I think because I'm always asked about positivity and like optimism and stuff, I know that I'm kind of by nature like a negative person or like a pragmat, like a realist to like, oh, I just, I, I, I'm always looking out for the other shoe to drop. But I am consciously aware of that. So I can consciously choose to be optimistic. Like, it's not natural. It's not innate. It's a choice I make every day. God, I love hearing you say that because I honestly feel like I'm the exact same way. Yeah. Where people are like, how come you're so upbeat? And I'm like, you know, I feel like... You could be too, asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's sort of thing of like, no, I get very hard on myself and I get depressed about things. And I, I I have struggles with my ego and I get sad for dumb reasons or I get extra... You know, I wake up in the middle of the night and I get anxiety and and I guess... I, just like you said, I'm so glad to hear you say that. It's like I feel like I have to make such an active choice in the opposite direction. And I also want to try to set an example for people of like, hey, it's not all great. But even if you feel shitty, you can choose to see the positive 
things and sometimes yeah. you have to. Yeah, that's why I call it um I call it reckless optimism. And oh, it, it's such a great term. Yeah, it's a and it's the idea that like you can be totally aware of what circumstance is and what reality is and choose to be optimistic because I think people are a little they like to brush off optimism with naivety because they don't want to make it seem like something they could do. It's like, oh, well, if we judge it, if we make, oh, you're just choosing to be positive because you're an idiot or you're being naive or like, don't you understand? Or this? it's less real or authentic in some way. Yeah, you're like, no, no, I, I hear everything you're saying. And yes, that is my innate fear as well. Anyway, what you going to do? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's in a lot of cases, it actually requires much more effort to be positive in situations than to be negative. And yeah, because that's like default. It's like, it's of easy. Of course, it's, yeah. easy to, it's easy to tear things down and people say like, oh, you, you know, I can't trust your opinion because you just like everything. And I'm like, I, it's not that I like everything. I just try to see the upside to as many things as possible. I try because, to find something to be enthusiastic about. Yes, because because the alternative is fucking depressing. <laughs> yeah. And I yeah. can't I don't want to give in to it because I would never Get leave up. my house. Yeah. I would be a I would just be like a tightly wound ball of sadness and insecurity and nothing means anything and I don't I've been that person and I don't like that guy. Yeah. Yeah. On Tuesday, so this it's so funny that you bring this up because on Tuesday I posted I'm insecure and you can too. <laughs> Uh, which wasn't what I was going to post. I was going to post this like video about like this like sex positive video about like what is good sex and like what makes good sex and what is like good partnership and do this very like, you know, closing out kind of video for pride. And I just couldn't bring myself to do it because I was in such a like kind of like insecure place. And I was like, you know what? I have to write about this revelation I've had in my life recently, which is that I always make this joke that confidence is a lie. And I didn't think I realized how really deeply true that was for me personally. Um, as somebody who's like super self-aware and everything like that, I realized that like I'm just kind of like an intake valve. Like I'm not really somebody who feels – I feel very strongly about my beliefs and I feel very strongly about my values and I can defend my impressions of the world and my friends like so readily. But if I'm sitting across from you at a dinner table and I think that you've gotten at all upset, I'm just like a sponge. And it, and I realized that that's just me being really insecure. So my promise to myself this year and the promise that like I was saying on the channel and just trying to share is like I'm going to try and feel more self-secure in the smaller rooms than the bigger rooms because in the big rooms I feel like great. Yeah. In the small rooms I need to practice feeling a little braver. I think <clears throat> I think confidence, the idea of confidence, my theory about it is that it's not someone saying like, oh, I'm – I'm I know all the answers and they I feel like confidence is the byproduct of feeling like you have options mm. because when you have a lot of options you don't stress as much because you, you you're very you're much more comfortable because you go well I mean I can I do don't this do, or, oh, it doesn't work out I can I do this I always got this and I think yeah. that's what confidence is so when you see you know like when you meet people who radiate confidence I feel like oh they're they're secure because they know they have options. Yeah. You're not too many options. I think too many options become stressful and there are <laughs> diminishing returns. But I do think that feeling comfortable in a situation because you know you will survive without it. I think insecurity comes from that place of uh, and then I die. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and then and this then, is going to kill and me. And then this is it. And, and then I'm abandoned. Yeah, oh, and, and then no one loves me. And now I'm alone? Yeah, um, exactly. It was funny cuz I was asking uh uh, someone I work with, like my first team member that I hired, and I was saying, I really want adults to watch this video, and I'm worried that if I call it, I'm insecure, and you can too, you know, because there's such like a 
you know, influx of all these like really popular like vloggers and stuff like that, my adult followers are going to think that I'm making just some self-serving vlog. She goes, well, why don't you just be a little brave and just post what you think it should be titled and don't worry about it. Like effectively telling me not to feel insecure about calling it I'm insecure. Right. And I was like, right, right, got it. <laughs> and so I posted it and that video got so, I got so many responses from people in their 30s talking about how they, like just being like, it was really nice to see this from someone who I see as like, oh, look, they got it. Look, they, they're living their dream. They got it all figured out. And to hear that you and I have the exact same fear. And it's like, that's true. Like at the end of the day, we all sit at a dinner table or we have a conversation with a friend. We're all just still people regardless of if one of us is living this, you know, fabulous career, et cetera, et cetera. I got this letter from this guy in Texas who was like this 30-something guy who works as a forester or something like that. And it was so long. And I, it was so heartfelt. And I don't really want to disclose any of his personal information, but basically talking about how he's built up this, like, wall around himself and ev- all of his friends, everybody, like, he's classically thought of as, like, the dick. Like, that dick guy. Like, that sarcastic, kind of bitchy guy. Like, that's his M.O. And how he knows it's not true, but he spent his life being that guy. He doesn't know how to break away from it. And he's like, if I walk up to my friends and tell them, like, that's not my real self. I'm just being that asshole because I'm insecure. He's afraid they're just not going to believe him. And I was like, and so I've been thinking about this letter since Tuesday or this email. Um, and I've been like, how am I? I want to reply. If I don't, I have no idea what I would say. What do you say? I mean, I guess ultimately. If your friends don't believe you, they're, di- they're the dicks. Well, I know. And, and of course, it's, and of course, because he's very emotionally invested in that friend circle. I mean, I, I think part of it is maybe sitting down with one person at a time and saying, hey, you know, um, I was really scared. This is who I am. And if they reject you, is it not – I mean I say this is very simple for me because I'm not emotionally invested in it because it's not – you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's easy to give advice because you're not – In it. You don't have anything really at stake. But my feeling is isn't it better to be honest with your friends about who you are so that your relationship isn't uh, an, a, a, a dishonest – I mean a dishonest is a strong word. It's not that he's lying to them. It's no. just they're perceiving him as being something else. And wouldn't it be better for him – I mean and of course I imagine – you know, that there are strong parallels to being able to come out to, to your friends or your family and will oh, they still totally. accept me? Will they still think of me as the same person? Totally. But we talk so much about, like, coming out and stuff. Like, think about how fascinating that this – it is that this guy wants to come out as being vulnerable. vulnerable come out yeah. as being like, you know what? This negativity, this asshole attitude that, like, I – you guys all see me with, like, it's really toxic for me on the inside. And it's, like, myself that I manifest that I don't want to be anymore. Like, I would rather just have a little encouragement and not be my negative asshole. That's the guy that's always being sarcastic self. And it's just like, oh, God, like, that's that's hard. You're kind of like – he's trapped in a false identity. I have kind of a strange idea and it and, – and Let's call him. <laughs> <laughs> You're on live. A podcast. They're on a live not really, podcast. Not really live. The people here were alive but recording. So I have a, I have a strange, I have a strange idea, and it might, and uh, but maybe it's an offensive idea. I don't know. Um, but just hearing you say that, and and hearing about the idea of someone coming out as vulnerable, you know, do you envision a world where when we have like when there is a when there is a Pride Day, that it's not solely about the gay community, but in terms of like it's about coming out as your authentic self. 
so that you have pride in who you are and maybe that's you're gay and you want to you want people to know that this is who you are or you're vulnerable or you like you know or this is like basically that pride is really the coming out of authenticity mm-hmm. rather than just being about one about you know about about one section of of our of our humanity i have 100 percent thought about that um because you think about like Wow, wouldn't it be so awesome if coming out, like if there was a coming out day, because there is a national coming out day, but a national coming out day could be a day where everybody understood that somebody might come up to you and say like some deeper truth that they have about themselves that they don't feel like they could have always shared. Like what if somebody comes out and is like, hey, guys, I believe in God. Like, you know what I mean? Like, think about that. Like, or like people are like, hey, guys, I don't. Or like, you know, like there was the ability to just have a day where it's okay for you to take that extra step and allowing people to know you. Because you don't get your chance to live you unless you are out there. Right. You know? Yeah, that'd be great. It should just be self-pride day. <laughs> I mean, that would be a really wonderful... What a fun day. A safe day. And a we could sa- still have rainbows. We could still have rainbows. Ah, yeah, because the rainbow's great. Why but, not? But just as long as just as long as long large swaths of the gay community didn't feel like they were having it co-opted by... Yeah, it. no, it definitely would feel that way. It never would actually happen. <laughs> However, I'm sure, I'm sure somewhere, somehow, maybe there could be like a Pride 2 day or like a Proud to be You day. Or, or an like, authenticity, like just an authenticity day. Or, or like an the, honesty day or something nice. Oh, no, you know, it shouldn't be called the honesty day because because a lot of fucking dickheads use the term honesty as a way to just be shitty to people and go, hey, well, you fucking can't handle honesty. You know? Oh, my God. I mean, that's just sort of like... Right. That's it, part of that's part of like Oh, I'm sorry. I think you you mean tactlessness. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I think you mean I'm being so rude. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're not funny and you suck and I hate everything about you and you're a piece of shit and your parents are awful people. I'm just honest. <laughs> All I said was hello. Like All I said was you're an asshole. <laughs> oh my god. All I said was you're just a piece of shit. Yeah. I, I really ho I, I really am trying to be more aware of how I am in terms of how I present myself and ideas because I see a lot of shortcomings where People present ideas in an aggressive way, and then when it comes back at them, they're like, "What? What? What? Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought there was free speech, mm-hmm. you know?" I'm like, well, there is. You're not going to get arrested. <laughs> I thought there was free speech. You're not going to get arrested. You can say whatever you want, but just know that if you come at people aggressively, there's there are these are the consequences. People might come back at you aggressively, and yeah, you know, and but people, but you know. We all speak the same words, but we don't all speak the same language because everyone has a different emotional language. Oh, don't get me started on the five love languages, Chris. Oh, my God. Uh, there are only five? There are five. There's this like whole thing about these like five love languages, which is about how you give and receive love in the best way. You should really take this quiz. I took okay. it recently. It's very good. All right. Um, I'm and not afraid. It's, it's really good. And it basically helps you understand like you and your partner might be able to communicate in like so many different ways. But in terms of like that deep feeling of feeling love. Loved, there's specific things, there's specific languages people speak. And the five languages are um, quality time. Like some people really need to just spend one-on-one time. Acts of service, that's me, which is like help, which is like, can you do the dishes if I'm stressed out? If I came home and like the laundry was done or if you like picked up the mail when I had thought I had to pick up the mail. Like acts of service is just like moving along in life. Um, gifts, uh, some people feel really loved when it's like, hey, I thought about you while you weren't around and I got you this gift. Um, touch, which is just like some people are like, Sit with me in total silence and just give me a hug, and that's all I need. I don't need feedback. I don't need questions. I just need touch. And then the fifth one is um, um, words of affirmation. 
And that's being told, like, you are good. I appreciate you. I am proud of you. I love you. Like, hearing it with their words. So do you have to sit down with your partner and go, <laughs> which one are you? Well, you basically sit down and take the test. And once, because I didn't know I was acts of service. If I had to say I would think I was words, it was my lowest. Like, if I had to think, oh, there are five, I'm this one. So, but then by the time I was done taking the test, I was like, oh, acts of service? Well, wait a minute. Yeah, actually, I th- the words don't really land with me, you know? <laughs> um, so you take it and then your partner or whoever takes it. It's just a good thing to take in life because then after you know it, you can be like, hey, I know we communicate and process all the time, but what would really help me out is if when I came home, like, you tidied. Right. Turns out, you know what I mean? Or like, you help me out on this project I keep talking about. Like, maybe if you gave me feedback, that would help. Like, you know what I mean? Like, being able to understand how to express your needs in the right way. Yeah, I have a friend who was who was dating someone for a while and he um he felt that he felt uh that on that there was a, a a disconnect with how their affection was being expressed between one another and one day he he just said to this woman that he was dating like you know, you never really ex- seemed you don't it doesn't seem like you want me here, you know, and she was like I let you stay at my place, don't I? And like in, in, in her – so her her version of love – and, and of course he wouldn't know that because he doesn't know what her internal language mm-hmm. is. That her even allowing him to be in her private space yeah. was an expression of love. And But he what he was sort of looking for was like, hey, I love you. I really – you know. And, and, and neither one of them – were right or wrong that's just how they express it you know they're not together anymore yeah but it's it kind of sounded like oh well maybe they maybe they need to find people that are a little more complimentary yeah i mean it's just really valuable like it's just really valuable to know like what'll make you like feel loved because you can talk in circles and talk in circles like um i started dating this girl and like we had both taken i asked her i was like so if you're ever like you know because like i'm gay and i love to process i'm just actually let me redact that and say i love to process i'm a huge communicator and i like need to talk about things all the time especially at the beginning of like a new relationship so i said like when you're sad or get stressed out about something because she has like a super busy career too um how do you want – like if you're talking about something that's stressing you out, like do you want me to ask questions? Do you want me to give ideas? Like what's the best way to listen to you? Because inevitably you're going to get sad and stressed out over the course of our time together. She's like, well, I'm glad you asked. Um, she, and she told me just to listen, which is not – like I would totally be like, here's an idea. Here's an idea. Here's an idea. But since she knows herself well enough to be like, I just need you to listen because I've got a thousand ideas about it too. I'd be like, great. A hundred percent. And she's like, well, what do you need? And I'm like, oh, suggestions. Talk at me. (laughs) But like imagine because she would have been speaking her language to me of silence and I would have been speaking my language to her and we wouldn't have been connecting. Yeah, because we – you know, there's this – I think this kind of fallacious idea that our – that we have in our own heads of that that the way that we do things are universal. And so when other people – when there's a – when there's a – a disc there, there's a bit of dissonance from someone else and we're like oh how come you did that means this like well no that means that to you yeah exactly but that doesn't mean that to them which all relates back to the asshole or like back to the person who can say all these things about you because if maybe if they behave that way they would feel like they were being very like oh well that's not that wouldn't be honest for me and it's like well just because it's not honest for you doesn't mean it's not honest for me you have to trust that i'm doing me yeah. You know, but yeah, it was really good to know because like I am such a talker that if I'm talking to someone and they wish I wasn't talking, I wouldn't know. Because I'd be like, <laughs> you know what else I think? Also, I was thinking about the thing you said the other day, and I think this now about it. Doesn't you know? Yeah, I mean, I know I've dated. I've, I remember I dated someone once who where I tried to do the whole like, 
Okay, let's map out how we, you know, like I try to do this very, I, you know, I'm like, well, this is a very pragmatic approach so that we can, and a completely, completely turned her off. She was like, I just want to live like in the moment. Like, I don't want to, that's not sexy, you know, yeah. like having to. Or but the it was the like, thing is, Chris, is that that's sexy for you. I mean, that's sexy for me. The fact that we had such a good structured conversation about it made me feel like, man, this could really work. Like if she was like, oh, I never thought about it. I don't know. I'd be like. Mm, I see. I feel like for me, it was just, I see it as more of a way to avoid, it's almost like, you know, each re- each relationship is sort of like Groundhog Day, where it's like you make a note and go, ah, okay, uh, don't try to overstructure things. So the next time, you know, when you replay the situation again, but with someone else, you're going to be like, okay, but you shouldn't do that because each situation, I mean, you should learn from your past mistakes and you should try to be more self-aware. But it's but not actually Groundhog Day. It would be like Groundhog not. Day in a different city. Yes, because it's not, each, everyone's different. So trying to apply the same filter to someone new, it doesn't make sense. Mm-mm, not that simple. No, of course it's not that simple. Everyone's, we're all snowflakes. We're all snowflakes. I all snowflakes. I do almost snowflakes. You are. But you. But I, you know, because I told you the last time you did at midnight, and by the way, you fucking crushed so hard when, it was you, a when fun you come one. on the show. I liked it. I And, and I texted you, and I hope it wasn't creepy. I said, I have such a friend crush on you. Because, you, you know, we... The first time I met you, like, I instantly was like, oh, my God, I really like this person. She's super cool and funny and, you know, and... and uh, I am, by the way, incidentally, for you listeners, you. super cool and Be funny. Be friends with Hannah. <laughs> and then also, you know, because you're so introspective and, you know, and, and therapied, uh, you know, I went through a really rough time last year. And you were there You were there for me with really great advice and so selfless. And even though we didn't know each other that well, you... You provided comfort, and I and I and I, I broke down crying in front of you once, and I didn't know you that well, and I still think like, oh, I don't know, was it weird that I did that? Because I just, I just felt safe, and I needed someone, and you were there for me, and it was so selfless and wonderful. It's a good moment, yeah. No, I don't think it's, you know, I think it's like my thing that I've learned to myself in the like latter years or these late, these recent years of my life is that um, to be more selective of the kind of people that you open up like your heart to and are like, I'll be there for you because it's like, you're a good dude. Like, yeah, I'll be there for you in this moment. Cool. Because I've been there for the wrong people in my life before. And then it just leaves you feeling like so drained. You know what I mean? Yeah. But your job as an adult is to be like, okay, like what are, you know, if my superpower is putting, you know, time and thought into organizing somebody's birthday party, like as silly as that sounds as a superpower, like there are people that are really good at throwing parties, right? I'm not one of them. But like throwing birthday parties for the right people who are going to be like appreciative or benefit from it, like that's that's the thing you have to learn to hone, you right. know? Anyway, so yeah, I'm just glad I could have been there. No, I appreciate it. And, and I also, I always kind of feel bad because I feel like, you know, I don't, I never wanted you to think that our friendship was contingent upon, like, I'm having a problem now and I need it, you know, I just need, because, you know. No, it's contingent on decaf coffee. <laughs> <laughs> but we both, like, both of our schedules are equally shitty. In the, I mean, like, it's good because we're doing things that we love doing. We're all very grateful. We're very grateful. We're very grateful. <laughs> Universe. I love I was it. Like, don't point at me. I love this studio. Please don't strike me down. I didn't mean it about Please, the Please, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. Uh, but it's, you know, disclaimer, disclaimer. But, uh. <laughs> Uh, you know, we both get so busy and then we just it, – it's like my – I feel like my um, – sadly, a lot of my friend relationships have been a little bit of a casualty of just working a lot of seven days a week, you know? And so uh, – Yeah, but you're working a lot seven days a week right now and, you know, like that's cool, man. Like this is just – it's just 
life. But I just want you to – I just hope you understand that I always think so fondly of you and that I really – if you ever needed anything, I would be there. So I, I hope – I do hope you know that. Well, I put in a request for a mini fridge <laughs> earlier today. God damn it. I'm not made of money. <laughs> okay. A little bit. Oh, this but one this one mini fridge. I'm not made of mini fridges. <laughs> You're not? No. How did you guys even get me into this room? <laughs> but I do have I do have a seltzer dispenser. Oh, that sounded gross. And it was not <laughs> and it was not meant to sound gross. <laughs> I do have a seltzer dispenser. I, do have a seltzer dispenser. <laughs> I know. It's uh, yeah, I yeah. Didn't mean but it I do that love way. I do love bubbly. I do love sparkling water. I drink so I mean you can see this empty bottle of sparkling water. Truly right goat, here. I mean that's what reminded me of it. It's so good. I know. I actually Googled one day. Can it harm you if you drink too, too much? much? Yeah, because I'm like, am I drinking carbon dioxide? Is that what I'm doing? Uh, the the initial reports that I said on the uh, the t- two article deep dive that I took was like there was it's, it's such a confirmation bias because I just see like the one or two articles. I'm like, okay, good. You know, the, got if it. it. It, you know, if these articles had good enough SEO to be on the homepage, they're probably true. Yeah, right? But then you see, like, I don't know, it really messes me up when I see, like, carbon dioxide will kill you. No, it won't. Yes, it will. No, it won't. And I'm like, so there are four articles. They each are on opposite <laughs> sides. Everything's a lie. I should just ignore it. <laughs> We're all going to die. It doesn't matter. Doesn't Might as well matter. just drink your fucking... We live in L.A. We breathe the air. It's just... <laughs> we I mean, don't think about it. We don't think about it. It be a giant it. earthquake at any moment. <laughs> yeah, everything's fine. I got a I got a little earthquake notification today. I got a, I have a little quake feed app, Ooh, app on, on from the, USGS on the watch. Yes, yes, and so it'll tell you. You can set the parameters. You can set <laughs> United States <laughs> Ge- United so States Geological oh, Society. I knew exactly what it was. I've never heard anyone ask that. Like so enthusiastic. Is it the USGS? From USGS? Like USGS? the official feed? I mean, yeah. their website's so shitty. I couldn't imagine they had an app. <laughs> they have an app, and what's cool about it is that you can set the parameters. You can set regional parameters, and you can set magnitude parameters. God. So you will only like I got a notification today that there was a there was an earthquake somewhere in in the Southern California region that was I, I have it set at three and above. Okay. Uh, it probably should go. I you know I should probably bump it up to four because a three is like a whoa. Uh, I thought you were going to say that you have it set for just like only like sixes and up globally. <laughs> and I'm like, so Chris, your watch is just like coming for you, Chris. Pacific Rim. Yeah. Getting closer. We're getting closer. Have you seen San Andreas? Uh, no, I've not seen it. I haven't seen it either. But uh, I know Grace and Grace and Chester went and saw it. They were saying that it was just like such a terrifying joy ride. Like it was just like the most ridiculous over the top thing. But it's like, you know, it's earthquakes but in Los Angeles. What's fun about what's funny about that movie in particular is that I, I'm I read I read an article that debunked literally every turn of the 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 geological activity in that and oh, so man. you know it was so it, it's it's funny to me about a movie like that is that they just wrote it and they were like you like know so, some movies you know go you know we need to get Neil Tyson in here we need to make sure that all the stars are accurate over this portion over this time and these people were like ah fuck it earthquakes speaking of the stars I don't know when this comes out but whenever this is is now um, Jupiter and Venus are in like super alignment crazy so well, I was driving the other night and I was looking at the sky and I saw and the road um <laughs> I just made a little steering wheel motion yep. I was looking at the sky and um I was driving with this girl that I'm seeing and I saw Venus was like super bright but then right behind it was another super bright star and she says like as I was just staring at it she goes I've never seen stars like that before and we were both seeing there like I've never seen star and it was kind of weird because you know ne- you- how rare that you see a pair of stars that you've never seen before in the sky anyway so I went and looked it up for the first time in 2000 years jupiter and venus are like behind each other right and so it makes this like super massively bright star in the sky but they are planets i mean yeah but they're you know 
um, a star, but they're planets. <laughs> planets, planets, planets. I love yes, that. Yes, I yes, love, yes. I love that. I mean, a star, but they're yeah, planets. planets. Obviously, planets. Yeah. No. Does it? Is it? Uh, does it mean anything? Just not knowing anything about astrology, does that mean something astrologically? Or? I don't know. Venus is like love, and like Jupiter is like Sagittarius, right? Uh, uh, I'm not a doctor. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an amazing thing to say in any situation, no matter what was being asked. I'm not a doctor. Um, yeah, my car won't start. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> yeah. And just run away. Exactly. Do you want mustard with that? I'm, I'm not, not a, a doctor. doctor. <laughs> I'm just, but yes, I would like mustard. <laughs> For now and for forever. Actually, I'm a member of the Monthly Mustard Club. I have way too many mustards. Whoa, wait, what? Yeah, National Mustard Club. I'm a member. Oh, okay, so they went national then. Yeah, it's big. It's a big deal. I get three mustards a month. (laughs) Are you fucking kidding me? From the National Mustard Museum. No. It's too many mustards. I have too many mustards. Too many mustards. My fri- too many the mustards. door of my fridge is mustard. That is um, excessive. It's too much. Was it worth it? I've had a lot of good mustard. Okay, good. Yeah. You listen. Um, there's no podcast. Uh-oh. We just wanted to get together and Uh-oh. tell you that uh, I knew Kyle it. locked the door. Uh, <laughs> I knew this was coming. You have a yellow problem. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> I've got spicy, I've got sweet. Yeah, there's too many mustards. I've got a sweet spicy. I have a sweet and spicy. Do you have a mustard with seeds in it? Oh, you mean stone ground? So many. (laughs) I have a stone ground drawer. How big are these mustards? Too big. <laughs> Too big for It'd a probably just be a packet, right? Yes, I agree. It makes me feel that the National Mustard Museum also has too many mustards. First of all, three fucking mustards a month? Are too you many. 36 mustards a year? How could anyone ever get through that? I don't think, yeah, I don't think they're meant to get through. I think you're just supposed to appreciate them or something. I don't know. You could have a mustard cellar. Like a oh, wine cellar. Wow. But for all your mustards? I don't yeah. even know how you're supposed to keep mustard, but yeah. I guess just in there, you have to get a separate mustard fridge. Like a mini fridge? Or just start... <laughs> that's ours. That's ours. A mustard mini fridge. That's uh Too many mustards. Yeah. I mean, I, because I just remember... I remember when when I was in grade school and going through like basic first aid training. It was like, and if someone ingests poison, make them drink a tall glass of mustard water to throw it up. Really? So that you would like... You would Is this grade school in the 1930s? <laughs> Yes. Where do we get mustard water? And then we threw a pie into an old lady's face because I was choking on the boot she put in the pie. <laughs> uh, so it's the uh, yeah I don't know it just it just said like if you if you it's an excess of mustard in the water and you chug it then you will you'll wow. throw it up. I don't I'm not saying do that anyone. Hold on, everybody I don't Google know. I'm not that's saying true. film it and send it to me. Do not yeah. do that, Kyle. Stop. I'm not doing it. I'm getting nope. other people. I know, to do but it. you know what you're doing. Ma- massive mustard poisoning. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't. Started at Nerdist Podcast. It is not Joker started at mustard. all. Yeah. This is not the mustard apocalypse. I don't give a shit what you say. <laughs> All right, this is not the San Andreas of mustard. He was the prophecy is fulfilling before our very eyes. What a sad, lame prophecy. That's my prophecy to be the start of the mustard apocalypse. God damn it. Oh, man. You know, when I was growing up, they said there were going to be so many better prophecies that I could have. And I just go, oh, I got mustard. That's no fun. No. The seven mustard of the apocalypse. I have so many more than seven. <laughs> I'm going to go home and count right now. Is it something that when you're dating someone new uh, that you have to go listen? I'm going to pour mustard on you. If <laughs> you... If you I'm gonna, you're going to come over for the first time. At some and point, I'm gonna you're going to you. go, go get some green tea. Mm-hmm. You're going to look in the fridge. There's going to be a lot of mustard there. I want you to know that they're all very different from each other. <laughs> and no, I can't... 
get rid of some. I celebrate <laughs> diversity in a lot of ways. Yeah. First and foremost, mustard. Mustard. Then people, but definitely mustard. Yeah. Well, Grace and Mamrie got it for me for my birthday. Uh, so in November, it's over. So. <laughs> Unless they you're going gonna to continue? I, oh, God. I, you know, I've actually already called and canceled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no one breaks up with the mustard museum. They're still coming. <laughs> I canceled so long ago. That's mustard for you. I know. Jeez. Maybe maybe the ketchup foundation should be trying to stock your yeah, fridge. Yeah, that many kinds of ketchup. Sriracha. Is that a ketchup? I feel like there's a Banana few... ketchup? Ban- yeah. Where's banana ketchup? It's like a... Yeah, it's like a form of ketchup. Yucky. Yucky. No like. Get no back like. to the mustard. Yeah. <laughs> We're having drop-off if this was a live show. <laughs> there's so much more... <laughs> Banana ketchup. <laughs> I'm shutting down every laptop in the building. <laughs> it's terrible. How's everything been going? How's 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 uh, MDK going? My drunk kitchen. Oh yeah. Um, it's going great. Um, the channel itself is great. Um, YouTube.com/slash/hartdo for those of you who don't know. I love seeing your guys' giant faces on giant billboards. So weird. So intense. Yeah, it's really weird to see your face. You and Gracie. Yeah, but big on like billboards and on the Mad. Men. We had a commercial on Mad Men. Like we each separately had commercials on Mad Men, and mine came at like this moment that I was so not prepared for. So during like the series finale of Mad Men, there was a very touching moment of love confession between two characters. No spoilers here. And after that, they go to commercial. So I was just like <gasps> all in a tizzy from that having happened. And then the next image I saw was my own face. It was Pete and Harry Crane, right? Yes. They finally. <laughs> they finally. Booked. Yeah. They finally... Oh, my fanfic came true. <laughs> Pete Harry flashback. Yeah. That's so crazy. I know. It was, it's, it's crazy. It's wonderful. But like at the same time, it's like, you know, your knowledge of yourself is different from the like, it's like, that's me on a billboard. But like that billboard isn't me. You know what I mean? So it's like people are like, wow, how does it feel? And it's like, I don't know. It's crazy. It's like a big billboard of your face. It feels exactly like that. If you saw it, you'd be like, that is my face. But you can't really connect to it. No. No, it's weird. Yeah. You know, I think it would feel different if it was like, for some reason, I feel like if I like, you know, if I was J.K. Rowling and I wrote Harry Potter or like if I had like created something and then like saw those characters come to life or like, you know what I mean? I think that is like, oh, my God, it's look, it's right there. Like, I feel like if there was like a yeah, I don't know, it's just some, some idea you had that got bigger. It's different. But that idea is you. So it's like a characterization. It's like you're the author and the character. Right. Exactly. But I am like I'm a person, not a concept. So it's like it doesn't. But if I if I had if I saw one of my concepts come to like fruition, I feel like that would be like, whoa. But it did. A lot of them have actually. Yeah, I know. It's like it's hard to explain. It's just like, you know, it's not like I created that. I guess that's tough. That's you a did, thing. but I, you did create it because you started making videos by accident, and or a then, friend, and then started. Yeah, and then you started figuring out. I mean, like you figure out what works. You have a conversation with your audience. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I think you know, for for lack of a better term, new media is is, is so. You know, it's because you you because that there's a direct connection to your audience, and you're forming. This character and this characterization and this show is forming with your audience. It's yeah. not just like, here's a bunch of stuff I made. Shut up and eat it. It's it, Yeah, exactly. It's interesting because I was thinking about AI recently and like how creative – like the new media has created like – you know, we are like these beings that are processing so much information in so many different ways and we're getting live feedback 
And so it's like we take the live feedback and we think about it and we think about it and then we like change our results, you know? And I think that that's like what the goal of AI is, right? To like have it like bring in a bunch of different factors and come with like now it's inventing new creative solutions or it's inventing new creative ideas or whatever. It's got that like element of like creativity that we're trying to teach robots or whatever to do. Um, but I actually don't support AI at all and I'm really terrified about it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but so I'm just saying that that's what makes it different from traditional media in a lot of ways. So there is some really like great inventive traditional programming out there like At Midnight, um, Talking Dead. Thank you. Yes, yeah. just those two. Chat though. Midnight. Chat, Chat Midnight, Midnight and Cat Midnight. Cat Midnight, Bat Midnight. Bat um, <laughs> Hat Midnight. Everyone, it's, oh my God, please do a Hat Midnight episode of At Midnight. Where everyone just wears different everyone hats. Everyone has to wear a hat. It could, be, it could be like the old Bugs Bunny cartoon where when the different hats land on their heads, they take on the persona. Oh my God, that would be so funny. And in each act, we could just have different personas with different hats on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you, you would just be 1930s that. widow the whole time. The whole time. Yeah. Oh, my husband has died here on the dawn of this Great Depression. Anyway. Not anyway. so bad for me, I guess. I have all of his money. Ha, da, da, da. Da, 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 da. Oh, a pie in the face. Oh, I should have seen the seltzer coming, but I'm an old widow. Well deserved. Comedy Central gets weird after me. Yeah. yeah, it does. It Man, does. I would totally love it. But, but it's, you know, constantly trying to understand. I mean, it's such an interesting time to be any kind of a creator just in the way that you know, uh, just to use earthquake metaphors, just these tectonic plates of old and new media are smashing together and how it's going to shake out and how, you know, and and the truth is, I, you know, I, I don't know. I still believe strongly in television. Television does have reach. It, it, the internet has theoretically more reach and in some ways it's stronger and some some ways it's weaker. And, 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 and I don't know, like, what's going to happen with networks. I, I honestly... I don't know. I mean, it's, it, I guess it's like, if you're, it's, a, it's, it's reach versus like niche or something like that. Because for me personally, I really don't want to get super big. I really don't. I like my community being a community of people that if I bumped into them in real life, I'd be like, oh, cool. Like, great to meet you. Like, you seem nice. Like, I like having a small, smaller, dense community. And it's grown bigger and bigger and bigger. But I never want it to get like diluted. You know, it's interesting because I was talking to my friend John, John Green, who did. He's a he's a leader of like the nerd fighter communities and DFTBA. And oh, this I know who John Green is. I'm explaining for people oh, who okay, don't. Gotcha, we're okay. on a podcast. All right, Chris. no, I forgot. I'm sorry. Okay, I we were just, just talking. like we're just talking. What are you talking about? I know John. He's amazing. What is <laughs> your vibe? What's your vibe? What are you telling me? Get, get like that God. microphone out of your face. I can't see you. <laughs> Um, so anyway, he was saying that, you know, they had an influx of a lot of new like subscribers and like members of the Nerdfighter community um, after The Fault in Our Stars went, you know, massive all over the nation. And he goes, but then now is the time to like kind of separate like the wee from the chaff, which is like, if you don't want to watch eight videos about Ebola, well... This is what we do here. Like, I'm going to Africa with Bill Gates, and now this, this is the content. And so it's like, that's how I feel. Like, after this whole, like, massive campaign, you know, we have a lot of people coming to the channel. They're like, my drunk kitchen. I'm going to see this bitch get drunk. And it's like, actually, today we're going to talk about insecurity. Right. You know? And it's like, that's what it is. That's the real heart of it. Um, so, yeah. But I, like- I feel like the point is that you have to keep doing the stuff that you want to do and, you know, just hope that you... I mean, I guess not hope anything. Just just hope that you can still be authentic to what you really want to talk about and not trying to chase, you know, cut to Hannah in like five years and she's in a, a levitating mansion of gold. Like, yeah. throw more peasants on the fire <laughs> to keep these laser quantum engines running. 
Why are they running? I don't know where they're going. I don't ask questions. I just put people in the fire. <laughs> Why does some fire power lasers? We don't know. God, if that happens, just show me a picture of myself from college. And be like, this is you, Hannah. There's a picture of me from school, like, with Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings posters. And it's a me in my dorm room. I'm wearing, like, my Cal sweatshirt. I've got, like, my genre posters behind me. And I'm literally holding Nasonex in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> and I never will forget that that is, that is me. I'm like, yeah. I'm enthusiastic. Sometimes I get too enthusiastic. Hannah, you've forgotten who you are. Maybe you need a good hashtag TBT. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, you know, I think it is sort of a, I mean, it's going to, it's going to fluctuate, you Mm -hmm. know? It's like you're going to, you might get an influx of people who don't really care about who you are, but think it's about something else, but they'll go away and then. But it'll bring with them a percentage of people who wouldn't have discovered you before. And, you know, it's important to... It's important to be open. But it's also important to stay focused. Yes. You know? And I think that, like, that's the danger of living in L.A. for somebody like me. It's like everybody wants you to just make yourself as open as possible and never be like, "Mm, sorry, guys. Here's, like, like, I wrote a mission statement you know, for the company, which is like, this is our mission statement, you know, as me and, um, you know, this like CEO I've hired to like help build Harto into something. It's like, this is our mission statement. Like, we can't forget, like, this is what we're doing. And it feels really good to like slowly build a team that's aligned to that. Do you want to say what it is or do you want to keep it to yourself? Um, it basically, effectively, it's like, it's about like practicing reckless optimism. Mm-hmm. And it's about like, we are going to be like positive and humble and grounded and like try and be inclusive. Um, and look at the bright side while not ignoring the dark side. You know, sure. like we're not going to not talk about issues that are happening in America, but we're going to try and present them as if it's not just sensational. Like all this terrible shit happened, guys. Guess we're totally fucked. Meh. Yeah. You well, know? I mean, it's not. That's the that's the sort of clickbaity approach, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to I feel like solution you know like potential solutions or creating conversations or the better way to do that stuff like bringing it up yeah like let's bring it up let's talk about it i'm not gonna tell you like i'm gonna tell you what i think and i'm gonna bring up some facts i read and everybody you guys talk about it like you know like just being a place that like it's like presenting information presenting my opinion because it's just my opinion i'm not trying to tell anybody what to think um and not ignoring real you know things that are happening in america yeah and in the world and and so how is the company expressing itself now in terms of like do you have people do, like do you have sort of other people that, that also are working with you and kind of doing their own sort of Harto type style videos? I've got one person so far yeah. um, and then, you know, we're going to go from there. So we've got one person and a plan. And so fingers crossed. Is it something that you want people to submit to or do you want is it people? Maybe, but that's Ooh. not set up here, Chris. Okay. Blink, 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 blink. Chris is like, move that microphone. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? We're just having a conversation. Yeah. I don't understand. I don't understand how any of this works. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know because I, I don't know, you know, it, it's, I, I think there's a, um, just in terms of old media trying to, trying to put the old media skin on new media. I mean, even just the concept of television ratings are, are, are somewhat meaningless now because, shows that you know that by traditional television measuring standards like you know mad men was not like a hugely rated show i mean it you know it's like three million people i guess three from what i'm on to understand if i'm wrong i apologize but from my understanding it's like three to four million people which is a modest number but 
the amount of cultural impact that show has far outweighs this very archaic way that a show like that is being measured by a small sampling of televisions that happen to be on at that time. Like that's yeah. not – that does not measure like what the culture is re- – like the it's culture is – qualitative influence versus it's like quantitative influence. Like, but, oh, like look. It's like Hannah's got X amount of subs, so her reach is this. Like right. that must be what it is. So then why – even YouTube asked me this. Everybody's like – they're like YouTube's like, why do so many people know about you? Like, why have so many people talked to us about you? Because you don't anywhere near have the same influence or reach by the numbers as so many other YouTubers. And I'm like, I don't know, guys. It's just numbers. Don't worry about it. Like, let's not focus on that. Yeah. And and I think in in some cases, you know, the correct – I think the – you know, so, sometimes the, the danger of looking at the surface number is that you think that tells the whole story. But it doesn't because it doesn't tell you – the 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 three dimensional part of that story, which is who are those people behind the numbers, mm. and how engaged are they as human beings, and how many people are engaging with them, and mm. I mean like it's it's much more like like right now it's like, oh yeah we haven't measured what is it that's not the tipping point but what is it that talks about um, like the different types of people uh, like there are different types of the t- the t- it's tipping, a tipping point. T- tipping point. Yeah. yeah. So it's like they're trying like the, to measure that. The mavens yeah, yeah, yeah. and the salesmen Connector and the connectors yeah. and the Yeah, but I mean it's you know, you can't you can't tell an entire story with one dot, and I feel like that archaic way of and look, just the way that media is done, it costs money to create things. Someone's gotta pay for that. It's either gonna be people subscribing to services or it's gonna be sponsors. But the sponsors are struggling because the numbers are confusing and so they don't know how to justify to their bosses who are typically older people and who fucking way don't understand. And who way don't want to spend any of their money. Exactly. Like, no, you know, I know it looks on paper like this thing is more. But, you know, like I would think that the podcast audience is a higher quality audience than, you know, three times the number of someone who watches like a late night show because those people – didn't and I think it comes with a level the level of investment, yeah, not like, monetary but emotional investment. They have to go out of their way to subscribe to a Hardo channel. They have to get to know you. They, you know, like it's it, a narrative. Like I think, well, real quick to talk about a podcast, like the podcast audience, they're listeners and like listening. Like the people that are listening to podcasts are different from people that are watching a late night. They film. put it in their heads. We yeah. put we put podcasts in our heads to yeah. in directly into our brains to listen to it and think about it. And you're usually like driving or on the subway or taking a walk, and you're like, "This is my me time." And I'm, it's like it's like reading a book. It's like a private a private experience. Um, but oh shoot, what was the thing I was gonna say? So videos, subscribers, uh, numbers, qualitative narrative. 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 Yeah, thank you, dude. Um. It's interesting because I feel like Look, cha- yeah, just fucking so good. Um, it's a longer narrative than just one video at a time, and that's something that we've tried to explain to uh, to brands who ask you know to work with us. It's like great, and they're like, well, let's just do like a tester video, you know, shill this thing to your audience. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, I won't. And they're like, we're gonna give you this amount of money. I'm like, I'm not going to do it. And they're like, why don't you want to do this? And it's like, because it's not about your money. We want you to make a viral video. Oh, God. Ugh. Oh, God. You're, like, you're not talking to the right person. I yeah. don't make viral videos. I'm a community builder. I'm not a like, viral video content producer. I have that conversation all the time with people because uh, you, we, we, we're constantly in situations where companies really want to figure it out. So like, what are we – what do you think we could do? And it's like, 
It, it's community building. It's community building. You have to, but you can't just build the community you for can't gain. Fake build a community. No, and it's it's a slow, unsexy, and I mean sexy in the sense of like it doesn't happen overnight. It's right. not a flash of lightning. Like it's it's a slow process. And it takes time. And thought. And it takes thought. And you have to give a shit about the community. You should be a part of the community. And you should give you – should, you should replenish the community with things that don't serve you. You should be – you should just be a voice in the community. And, and that's, how, that's how it works. But it's not – that's not as sexy as like uh, take a pill and then everything's great. Or just, yeah. just make this video about, uh, about dragons and everyone will – because people love dragons. Like they don't – they cannot – Put that shit on a spreadsheet. No, yeah, and they can't. They can't sell it in a pitch meeting. You know, they're like, "Well, let's talk about caring about what you're doing with your life, which is what I do on my channel." You and like, they're a, like, "Well, we don't want to. I don't know if we're going to sell that." Our product, yeah. you know, we're concerned about the video where you talked about being insecure. We don't want people to associate. And they're like, "Well, then you're not the right person." Yeah, a hundred percent. I love going into a room with people that are like trying to either buy you or sell you, and they say something like, "Oh my god, I love the drunk, the drunk cooking kitchen. I love it. <laughs> Biggest fan. Oh man, that episode where you made that." Mm. First of all, I love to get drunk, and I love to get drunk in my kitchen, and I love to get drunk every day. Yeah, and I get drunk a lot. <laughs> And uh, getting drunk is awesome, and it's it really what resonates. keeps me alive. And uh, and I really, really, you know, like that's yeah. that's the best. Yeah. Or somebody said to me once, like, "Well, everybody's an alcoholic," and I was like, "No, <laughs> that's not true." <laughs> it was just so awkward. You could hear like a picture. I'm like, "Yeah," but I mean, like, you know, you know. And I'm like, "No, I'm very, I, I'm very vocal about alcoholism, like on the show. It's a, it's a real thing." Like. Yeah, you know, We've some, talked about it. Some pe- and I say this as a recovering alcoholic. A lot of people can drink, and it's not alcoholism. You can even drink kind of regularly, and it's not alcoholism. You know, like it's not. I don't know. So when somebody says, "Well, everybody's an alcoholic," you're like, not only are you diminishing the journey of people who have like overcome and are in recovery, you are also diminishing your possible dependence on alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I mean, everyone falls asleep jerking off with an empty bottle of booze next to them, right? <laughs> everyone does it. Every lunch. I Every, do. Oh, no. What? <laughs> Every lunch. Everyone gets lunch drunk, huh? Come on. Everyone. It's a quick and easy lunch drunk. And then there's that hour when you come back where you got to sleep it off a little bit. Yeah, and then you got to drink right after work because you got a little too lunch drunk. I mean, everyone has this because our moms hate us. So, My mom hates me. Wait a minute. So relatable. So relatable. Oh, man. Anyway, could you sell this beer? So, <laughs> but don't talk about drinking in it. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's a- the other crazy thing about alcohol brands. They don't want anyone to think you get drunk off alcohol. Like I never, I never work with alcohol brands because alcohol doesn't make you drunk. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a cool, sexy thing. People make you drunk. Yeah, like, you get a better job. You're yeah. taller. You're you know, it's, stronger. It's, uh, it's I, I've a million times turned down alcohol brands, and I've always said like, yeah, I won't work because that to me. I mean, obviously, I know how it works, and we need sponsors to keep things going. And in general, I you know I'm I try to make sure that the sponsors that we involved with are, are things that I like, or things that I would engage in, or things that I would see. And that to me would feel like – so I don't feel like engaging with sponsors is selling out. I would feel like using alcohol as a sponsor would for me personally be selling out because it's not drinking is such a part of who I am. Yeah. That it's like I don't have a problem if people drink but I just feel weird promoting it. Like that to me feels like – and I would feel like I'd be letting down the people who maybe chose to be sober – and like, but now you're taking money from a booze company? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's – and that's the right choice. 
you know? But but then I also sometimes feel like, I mean, it's sort of like how, I don't know anything about sports, but I kind of think maybe we should probably get someone to start writing about sports on Nerdist because a lot of people do like it. And it's not, it's just not my thing, you know? But I know that that's not the same as making a lifestyle choice, like a conscious mm-hmm. lifestyle decision. No, that's totally different. That's you recognize seizing, seeing like a need in a, like in your community that maybe you don't feel the need for. But if you see a need that's there, like, well, I don't know. A lot of people seem to like sports. Like, I don't have a real personal interest yet. Why don't we get an expert and like talk to him about it? And we'll just like figure out that approach. You know, I, I, I think that's still that's still fair. What do they say? If you're an expert, hire a staff. If you need, if you need an expert, hire an expert. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's not like you, what would be more false is for you to suddenly develop a a fake enthusiasm for sports. Right. That's like, oh, sports? Yeah, I like sports. What else do I like? Tell me. <laughs> Please, I'll do whatever you want. I'm uh, dancing, dancing over here. I'm dancing. I'm dancing. <laughs> Touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> Touchdown. Sports. Do you feel, uh, do you consider yourself successful? I feel very successful. Yeah, I feel really good. I'm very, I'm a, I mean, I'm happy. And so, like, that is, seems like the greatest success, right? Like, that's the goal. Yeah. Thanks, Scout. Oh, a dog good. just sighed adorably. Uh, that's, about the, that's about as much as that dog will move in the next like hour. It'll just sit there. That dog feels successful. She's so sweet. I just, God damn it! I just, I can't leave this room without just like, just, just mm-hmm. like smushing the dog's face and mm. trying to give it some love because she just so, she's so just, cute, so sweet. That dog is just basically just like a a, a bean bag of love. Yeah, a love bucket. A yeah. bucket. Yeah. A, a bucket of love, which sounds like it could be gross. Yeah, like a the mind. <laughs> Wait, what? Mm-hmm. No, we're good. I don't know. I feel like I you were gonna. Good. It sounded like. Uh, it sounded like you stopped yourself for a second there. I did. It, it, it was true. I don't I know. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, are we? I don't know if we could talk about this. Can we talk about the Doctor Who stuff? Oh yeah, that's. Will that be out? When is this? When is this coming out? Okay. So it'll be long after Summer of Who. It'll be long after Summer of Long after Summer of Who, the Doctor Who special that you're uh, doing and we're producing with you. Um, it's gonna be. Fi- it's, uh, that's what it sucks. It's like it's so. Uh, what am I? Well, I'll already be out by then. But uh, anyway, congratulations! You did an amazing job on the special. Oh, really thank you. It was really great. <laughs> I thought I did an incredible job too. Have you been to Cardiff yet? <clears throat> no. <clears throat> I have not. God, I want to just go. I have just you? Go. No. What? I know. Well, it's, yeah, it's, well, you know, another promise I made myself this year was more travel. More travel for pleasure. For experience sake. For pleasure. For pleasure. What types of pleasure travel are you going to? Oh, I can't disclose that. <laughs> no, I want to go to Iceland. That's a goal that I've had for a long time. Reykjavik? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I want to go. You know, they, there's so many different things about Iceland, I can say. Um, but the invisible people. Mm-hmm. In Iceland, have you ever heard of this? What? All the people that live in Iceland are just aware that there are these invisible people that also live in Iceland. What is that? Just the ancient souls, just the invisible people. It is all. Yeah, that's, that's just all them. that is. They live in caves and stuff, you know, whatever. Do you talk to them? I, you know, or do you avoid I'm them? Go and I'm going to find out. <laughs> or do people get to blame the invisible people? Like, God I damn it! It. <laughs> it was the invisible people, honey. Um, someone else got drunk and threw <laughs> the invisible people threw up on that. your shoes. Someone did that, but no, I really want to go to Iceland. Um, I also really want to go uh, at some point to um, Cornwall, which mm. is like just like you know, craggy, like beautiful land yeah yeah so i want to go there yeah yeah 
And are you going to – have you already made time for these? Because I feel like the only way to make that shit happen is you have to set aside time for I've it. Zero, I've, I've decided that at some point in September I will take a vacation. Actually, this was a really good thing is that the person that I recently hired, she looked at me and she – because I haven't really taken like a vacation like a week. You know what I mean? Like a week or two weeks or whatever that um, – since this got started because this feels like such a blessing. My life is so awesome and I get to do and make what I want that I've spent these like four years not taking a vacation. I've gone away for like two days but usually like in service of another person like, oh, I'll take them away for two days and that will be my vacation anyway so uh in september i have to go on a real vacation for a week and i'm trying to figure out where because i partially want to go to iceland but then um i've also it's also been suggested to me i should go somewhere where i can just like relax yeah it's hard because when you go to a place like iceland your inclination is going to be to go around as much as possible and then i'm going to want to share everything if i'm going to iceland i'm going to want to be like guys i'm in iceland yeah and then you're going to come back exhausted my uh, my 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 advice to My you. Advice to you. It would be great if you could take two weeks off and then you could have a portion that was adventure and then like eight days to not do anything. Yeah. Because it really – it takes – it takes when – you, when you run as hard as we do with work, it takes four to six days – to just completely shake it off and decompress, mm-hmm. and then and then you can actually start relaxing. It's like there's still a few days where you're waking up and like I'm but supposed to be somewhere. I just don't know if I'm a beach person though. I don't know. Like you what, don't have to be a beach person. But everybody says like I feel like everybody's like, can you go to a beach? And I'm like, I don't know if I'm a beach. That's person. That's their version of what a vacation is. You could just go to a small town somewhere where there's actually not a lot to do, which just forces you to do the same thing. But you don't have to sit on a beach. Like I just want to go somewhere and like kind of like live a different life for like a week and a half and like milk a cow or something you know yes i don't know like i think that that would be kind of nice or just like you know like be in like a countryside and like have it be like kind of cold and i could read books and just kind of like cook and just like not worry or like live in la where it's hot all do you the plan time. on going alone Mm-mm. i'm probably gonna bring a little thumb butter oh, gonna bring thumb butter i can't help it share and share alike i mean too- <laughs> it's good like i don't know if i the last time I went somewhere on my own, well, I go a lot of places. I go a lot of places on my own, okay? Okay. Last time I went on a vacation on my own was 2001. I just went to London. Well, I did that. Um, I had a like kind of like a little bit of like a quarter life crisis or like I had like a real like kind of meltdown about this like other relationship that was ending. And I went to London for a week. And I just like left and I went to London for a week. I just booked a ticket and I told everybody on the flight like, hi, I'm leaving town for a week. Um, and that wasn't really a vacation because I was in the midst of like a little bit of a crisis. And yes. I was also on a deadline for something. And so I needed to go to finish um, my second book proposal. Shit. And so I just went and I was like, ah, but that was really lovely. I had a great week. Why do you think you work so hard? I just feel like there's this tiny file within me. Why do I think I work so hard? Um, because it makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like like – because I'm lucky enough to work so hard on things that I care about, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Because I care, I guess, would be the answer. Because it's like, I think about it, it's like, if I was a cog in a machine that I didn't support, would I work very hard? Probably not. I would never define myself as a hard worker, but I think that I am very enthusiastic about what I do. Can you um, can you shed some of that... Uh, that- but- the positivity, the reckless positivity, reckless optimism, Re- reckless optimism on. Um, so uh, the day the Supreme Court made the ruling on gay marriage, I posted uh, posted on Instagram that, you know, as a lot of people did, Nerds logo with the rainbow colors and a little equal sign in the middle. And um, 
I, I wasn't doing it to so people would congratulate me or like, look how evolved I was. Like, I was genuinely happy, and I just wanted to just like, oh, this is you know, small little digital way I can show support. Yeah. And uh, literally within like three comments, unfollow, and then people got so fu- and it was like a thousand comments of people just arguing with each other, and it, it, I was so upset. What I mean, I started blocking. I just started fucking. Blocking what were they people. arguing about? One one kid said he was just on Jesus's side, which I which the, the ignorance of that comment was so upsetting because it was like you don't even understand what you're saying. Yeah, you don't even fucking understand. And I start I, like I had to walk away from it. I I had to walk away as, right because you know Jesus would not at all want all people people to, be to loved love each other and no. treat each other with Mm-mm. kindness absolutely and equality. not That's, why would why would he have wanted that no Jesus in his, never I mean he was saying in his message love one right. another as, as I've loved you right like, he literally bit. died for the message that he was but saying. not he didn't mean like for everybody all people. No, no not all no, people. I mean no, like no. all people in quotation marks right all people all people first let's define the word people right people right. are these and, the, and so it just um. I don't know. It's, it's it's times like that where I, uh, I, I honestly, I get deflated in general for just society. I'm like, God damn it! And I know everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but it was it was so vitriolic. It just felt like, but this doesn't. Do you feel any? I guess like, do you feel any sense of like, I don't know, uh, pride in the people of like that are in your community that are responding to those yes. comments? Like yes. those people that are like on a side that you feel more aligned with, like- yeah. And, and you know, honestly, and I and I have to say, I don't want to just make it sound like I was like a religious attack. There were a lot of religious people who were like, uh, "Hey, I'm Christian, and I don't support what that asshole said." Like we're supposed to, you know. And so it wasn't just one. It was just a. It was just. There were just ignorant people, and then some people who just wanted to be trolls, mm-hmm. and some people. I, you know, it's like I feel for me personally when you look at that, you think about the type of person who would feel such negativity, such hate for so many people experiencing such joy. And that's it. That's it. It's that these people have been allowed to marry someone that they love and that at its heart, at the root of it, is a joyous, wonderful thing. And so the type of person that's like, I hate all that joy is just a very sad, small person. And so... It's not even worth responding to, right? Because you're not gonna. It's just not. You just kind of have to go. Why would you want to engage with them? It's like it's like Ant Man, <laughs> like sh- shrinking down to their level. You know? <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, let me see the world through the tiny pinhole I peek out of. Right. You know? Do you think? Do you ever see yourself getting married, or do you? Do you- oh yeah, I'm. Well, like, yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm a big, um, you know. I guess I'm a partnership person. I think that the word marriage was such a like, uh, you know, complicated word my whole life. Cause I remember like, I grew up in a very conservative Christian background and I remember having conversations with my dad when I was still in the closet, you know, you know, be like, dad, what do you think about gay people? <laughs> um, and you know, his basically, you know, his statements uh, were that, you know, marriage is between a man and a woman, blah, 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 civil unions, da, 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 da. And just the idea that there had to be any separate but equal, like, separation at all, like, that's not equality. I think we've learned that from segregation. I think we've learned that throughout history. Um, I think more and more people are on the right side of history, and we have to think not just within the window of that one comment and, like, within the window of, like, you know, this response, but just kind of over the arc, like, the period of time that we're living in. Like, from the time I was born to 28 years later now, America allows gay marriage. And when I was zero, it didn't anywhere. Mm-hmm. 
that's great. My life feels like it's been moving pretty fast, you know? And so I think maybe we're heading in the right direction. I think one of the reasons, you know, one of the many reasons why it's it's upsetting to me is that, you know, it's um, – I, I'm also – connecting with it on a, on a level and and you know obviously I, I i'm not saying that it was this bad for me although some it felt like it was pretty harsh when i was growing up but sort of you know getting bullied when i was a kid or, or because i like because of things that i you know because i because i like dnd or i liked computers or i liked whatever and and sort of feeling like haha you know and and being called names and stuff like i have a very i have a such a strong violent aversion to that shit just because I feel, I feel it's it. Triggering. I did. It's very triggering. It's, it's triggering. very triggering. And then I kind of go like, but then it's a million times. I, but I assume it's a million times worse when it's about you know your sexual identity and being told that you can't. Congratulations, Chris. You're not a sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> if someone else's suffering triggers an empathetic response of suffering within you, you work. Yay! You're correct. That's the way to feel. Oh, it doesn't Someone explain all those is... serial killers I serial killed. <laughs> nah, it just gets more complicated. I had to fight the urge somehow. <laughs> I just thought it would be okay. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's that's just it. If it, it it's it's good to care. It's just because you care. Well, I, I think it is very important for you to continue being as human and sort of transparently human as you are, because it's. You know, in a world where um, people are always trying to sell you stuff and there's so much, you know, uh, you don't know who to believe or who to trust. Or it's like it's really important to have those voices that make people feel okay, mm-hmm. feel okay with themselves so that they can, you know, I mean, in a way. That remind people that they are okay. Yeah, but in a way that's, that's going to be a huge part of your legacy because I, I don't, I'm sure you don't even really think about this. But when you, like, you know, like the fact that you've helped people connect with someone that maybe they didn't have it in their own lives and maybe that's going to change the course of their life because of a because of one simple video you made where like hey i'm scared we're all scared you know someone went oh my god yes and then that completely altered you know and made them feel like they were going to be okay you know like that's a really that's yeah. a wonderful thing and that's part of your legacy is like that's part of your these little emotion babies that are being birthed into the world oh god I can't think about that <laughs> I mean it's wonderful it's good yeah but it's a lot I mean I hope so that's the goal right floating but, laser mansion yeah right floating laser mansion no um, yeah no that's uh, that's like the most reaffirming thing about doing this because it's so easy to just be like focus on and it's like just going back and forth between like building building and expanding within the wheelhouse of entertainment staying authentic staying true to yourself and that's exactly what Tuesday for me was all about is like I was trying to post this video and I was editing it and I was like God, I just really just I got to just forgive myself for needing to just totally forget the other video and shoot a straight to camera vlog and just talk about my feelings for like 10 minutes. I just have to do it. I have to do it today. I have to do it today. I don't care who's looking. I don't care who's watching. Like, but and then, you know, and just kind of going with your gut. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe at some point we'll construct a authenticity coming out day Yay! where ever where everyone i think it's you know it's like i feel like i wish there was a, it's a, how lovely that there is a coming out day and i wish you know, i've said this before actually that i wish that there was a coming out day where people could like be like come out like coming out i have an eating disorder coming out like i'm a, a little passive aggressive and i think it's rooted in this you know what i mean like that right. sort of like coming out thing to be like hey here's something i'm trying to change about myself that you never knew it's something i'm struggling with you yeah. know i wonder well hopefully it would do you think there'd be any 
I mean, when people are making themselves vulnerable, do you think there's any danger that they might? They wouldn't be vulnerable if there was no danger. Like danger, like that's it. That's <laughs> the whole that's thing. True. That's the definition of vulnerability. Yeah. Brene Braun did that great TED talk on being vulnerable. You should really listen to it and watch it, everybody. I will. God damn it! I just have to. St- I have to. So st- many goddamn. I have to TED steal talks. myself for the sidebar of like, oh, I gotta watch that one. Oh no, I gotta watch that one. Well, yeah. of course I have to watch that one. Yeah, yeah. The vulnerability one though, it leaves you feeling rather brave. And I realized that, and this is what I said on Tuesdays. I think I have been confusing strength with bravery, and I think that I am. Yes, like I think I am a strong person. I think a lot of people are strong people, but I think it's different to be a brave person. Right. You know? And that's that's the thing. I can definitely be strong as long as I keep myself limited to the things I feel strong about. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And keep supporting those ideas. I mean, yeah, I got this. Don't don't ask me to do that. I mean, yeah, okay. Ah, you You're know. really compromising my strength right you know, now by know. asking me to be brave. But yeah. you know what? That just builds more areas of strength. Overall. It takes a lot of strength to lift a giant floating palace. <laughs> <laughs> Let the orphans worry about it. <laughs> yeah, well, they got a lot to worry about already. Yeah. Anyway. Hey. Um, well, I adore you, and I am so glad that you're happy and that things are going well. And, and, and I hope we can. I'm glad to... you're happy too. Yes, yes, yes. It's, it's, you know, it's kind of funny that you really. Sometimes I get paranoid. I'm like, oh, am I. Am I creating stress? Am I creating fires to put out because I just need to, you know, it seems like... To be in the act of resolving? Well, also just to feel like I'm doing something. You know what I mean? Like when things are going well, but it doesn't feel like anything, it's like, oh, do I need to... Do I need to emotionally cut something so it feels like I'm doing something, you yeah, know? Yeah, I would say definitely pay attention to that because no, no. things are going well and it doesn't feel like anything. Well, I just mean this. <laughs> I mean this. It's not that it doesn't – I'm not saying – no, it's not that it doesn't feel like anything. It's just that I think we, you know, we confuse the states of action and being a lot, you know? And mm. so you can you can feel like something isn't real because you're not doing anything, you know, it's sort of like I mean, I guess the simplest way is like when people talk about acting and they're like, Oh yeah, I'm not I was just I was just in the moment, I was just being something. I didn't it wasn't a part of my brain where I was like, I am now going to act as this person. I, I am, am doing, doing something acting. I am doing it now. I am doing acting. Yeah. I am listening acting. Yes. Yeah. So maybe 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 the idea is like live, don't do life. Whoa. Right? Whoa. Huh? Chris. Come on. Oh my god. What is that's really good. The hardest thing for my puppy dog to do is to sit because she's doing so much. It's to sit and be still. So it looks like she's not doing anything, but that's her doing the most. She oh, because she's holding every little it's muscle. Just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just all impulse control. It's a real cute dog, by the way. Thank you. She's a good egg. Ollie. Did you decide to get a dog or did you happen upon a dog? Like, was it one of those things? Where well, you know, I was uh, in the midst of uh, many things about my life that needed restructuring. <laughs> so, of course, I decided to avoid all those things by getting a dog. <laughs> so I'm not perfect, but now I have a wonderful dog in my life. Oh. And I've restructured. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, what what uh, many things do you want to tell people? To- well, if you guys want to hear more uh, from me, you can always find me at youtube.com slash harto. Or if you are of the reading variety, you can buy my book, My Drunk Kitchen, A Guide to Eating, Drinking, and Going with Your Gut, available in bookstores everywhere. Oh, right. Again, drunk is we're all alcoholics. Right? Oh, yeah. We're all alcoholics. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
All right. Uh, good to see you. I can't wait to see you back on At Midnight soon. Yeah. And then across from uh, a, dec- a coffee table with uh, decaf coffees. Decaf coffees. Yay. Yay. Enjoy your burrito. Bye, guys. Live. Don't do life. Yeah, that was good. Oh, thanks. That's smart. Thanks. Oh, thanks, yeah. Oh, my arm hurts. I was just patting myself on the back for that one. Oh, I think I popped a rib out. <laughs> That's not your back. Oh, shit. <laughs> that shouldn't be out. That shouldn't be out. That should be back in. Oh, fuck. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Nancy's love story could have been ripped right out of the pages of one of her own novels. She was a romance mystery writer who happens to be married to a chef. But this story didn't end with a happily ever after. When I stepped into the kitchen, I could see that Chef Brophy was on the ground, and I heard somebody say, call 911. As writers, we'd written our share of murder mysteries. So when suspicion turned to Dan's wife, Nancy, we weren't that surprised. The first person they look at would be the spouse. We understand that's usually the way they do it. But we began to wonder, Had Nancy gotten so wrapped up in her own novels... There are murders in all of the books. ...that she was playing them out in real life? You can listen to Happily Never After, Dan and Nancy, early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.